So, uh, if you guys, if you've seen uh, The Lord of the Rings, and uh, one of my favorite lines is about breakfast, and uh, uh, Mary, or is it Pippin, Pippin says, uh, we've had one breakfast, yes, but what about second breakfast? We've had one worship. But what about second worship? Can we just take a moment and will, will you stand with me and just let's just put our attention back on Jesus? I will give you all my worship. I will give you all my praise you alone i long to worship you alone are worthy of my praise hallelujah jesus just begin to lift your voice to the lord let's begin to worship him with your own words just Pour your love on him. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. You're worthy of everything we have, God. Bless you, Jesus. Bless you, Jesus. Wonderful, Jesus. Wonderful, Jesus. Hmm. Hallelujah. You guys can be seated, but I just, want you, I just want you to stay in this attitude of put your affection on Christ um, because that's what's important. Um, we often frame Christianity sometimes in, in ways of what can God do for you? What can God do for me? You know, and, and the gospel is largely about what God has done for us. It's what God has done for us. He gave us Christ, and his love for us left no room for self-preservation. He gave absolutely everything. You think about the creation of the universe. It cost God nothing. He spoke, and the universe came into existence. But your salvation cost him everything. It cost him Christ. He bankrupt heaven for you. So often we think about Christianity in terms of what God has done for us, but Christmas is coming up and we're celebrating the greatest gift that God has ever given. He gave us Jesus. But I want to think about what can we give God for Christmas? What can we give him? Because you know that God is looking for something, isn't he? Jesus said it himself. He was speaking in John 4 to the, to the woman at the well. And he says, A time is coming and has now come when those who worship him must worship him in what? In spirit and in truth. And then he says something very interesting right after that. For such the, the worshipers is the Father seeking. 
that God himself is seeking for something. What is he seeking for? He's seeking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. In 2 Chronicles, we read that the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, seeking to strengthen those whose hearts are completely devoted to him. That the eyes of God are seeking for those whose hearts are completely devoted to him. If God is seeking for somebody who has a heart that's completely devoted to him, if God is seeking for somebody who will worship him in spirit and in truth, I don't want his eyes to move past me. I want, when his gaze moves across John Mark Baker, I want him to say, there's one. There's one. I want to strengthen him because his heart is completely devoted to me. There is a worshiper who will worship me in spirit and in truth. The most important thing that you can do with your life is something that no one else will ever see except God. Jesus said that there will be people who will come to him one day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not? prophesy in your name and cast out demons and perform miracles in your name. And Jesus said that he will say to some of those in that day, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Why? I never knew you. That tells me that God is looking not for servants. He's looking for friends. He's looking for people who know him. He's looking for people who will give him their hearts. In, Mo, uh, in Exodus 33, if you'll turn there with me, Exodus chapter 33. I once, uh, um, I was going to be interviewed uh, for a um, uh, Christian television by a guy who had no idea who I was at all. And so to do a mic test, and I think he was wanting to test to see if I really knew God or something. He goes, we'll do a mic test. Why don't you just run through the, the books of the Bible? And I said, okay, uh, Genesis, Exorcist, Leviathan. <laughs> <laughs> he was not amused. <laughs> So Exodus 33, uh, I'll give you a little background of the story. Um, the Israelites had just been delivered out of Egypt, and Moses was on Mount Sinai, and he was encountering God, and he, he got the law of God. Why? Because he, he wanted the law of God to make sure that Israel that he himself and all of Israel would walk in a way that would please God. And so he got the law of God and he comes down and what does he find? You guys know the story that he finds all of Israel worshiping this golden image of a calf and saying, behold the God who brought us up out of Egypt. And 
he was a little bit PO'd. <laughs> and he takes these tablets that God himself had written on the law and he breaks them in anger. And God is angry as well. Uh, one of my students who had just gotten saved, um, he, he was just hungry for the word and he started reading through Genesis and then he reads through Exodus and he got, he, he got to the point of the golden calf and he reads it and he was furious for weeks. I mean, he's a brand new Christian. He was raised atheist, you know, he was an atheist his entire life. He just becomes a Christian and he reads about the Israelites worshiping the golden calf and this guy who has been saved for all of a month was furious, absolutely furious with the Israelites. And uh, so we read in Exodus 33 that, that the Lord had said, okay guys, because of this sin, I will not go with you into the promised land. I'll send an angel with you and you can go. You can, you can enter the promised land. But if I go with you into the promised land, you are so stiff-necked, I might strike you dead on the way there. <laughs> Being a parent, I have felt that <laughs> myself. <laughs> Exodus 33, God has told uh, Moses and the Israelites that he's not going to go with them. I'll send an angel, and that's it. Starting in verse 12, Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, listen to this. I want you to pay careful attention to verse 15. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. And we read on to see that Moses had the most amazing quiet time in the history of quiet times. <laughs> What's significant about the heart of Moses here is that he was still the promised land, the promises of God were not revoked in their rebellion. God said, look, you can still have all the things that I've promised you. You can still enter your promised land. And Moses said, I would rather die here in the desert than enter the promised land without you. There are promised lands in your life. There are things for which you were born. You have a purpose. You have a destiny. There's nobody on the planet that is here by accident. God has sovereignly designed you and woven you like a thread in his tapestry. And maybe you don't see the whole 
the whole tapestry. You don't see the whole picture, but you just see your little part of God's story. And maybe you're like, I don't know if I matter. I have news for you. There's no such thing as a rogue molecule. God, the same God who has a purpose in everything he's created, has a purpose for you. And your life matters. Moses had a purpose for his life. His very name was prophetic. His name meant drawn up out of, right? And so um, his, his name was prophetic about the fact that he would deliver Israel out of slavery, out of bondage in Egypt, and into the promised land. And Moses said to God, it is not worth it to me to fulfill my life's calling, to fulfill the thing, the very thing that's been prophesied over me, the very thing that is my destiny in life. I would rather miss out on it than fulfill it but not have your presence, but not have your nearness. In fact, I'd rather die here in the desert, halfway in between where I've been and where I'm going. I'd rather end the story here than enter that promised land without you. God is looking for people who will worship him like that. God is looking for your heart. God's not as interested in your destiny as he is your heart. Why were you born? Why were you created in the first place? Why do you think that Adam was created in the garden? Do you think that God really just needed a gardener that bad? (laughs) That he created Adam, put him in the garden and said, take care of this. Why was Adam created? Why was mankind conceived in the first place? We were made in God's image for fellowship. God was interested in knowing you. You were created to be the very object of God's affection and the very object of God's love. You were created so that God could lavish his love upon you. That's why you were born. That's your primary destiny in life is to have fellowship with God, not to tend his garden. And sometimes we as Christians, eh, we walk away from that reality And we get caught up and bogged down with the things that we're supposed to be doing instead of who we're supposed to be and the fact that we're actually supposed to live in relationship with God. If you'll turn with me to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 1. This is, if you have a Bible that's like this, these words are in red. That means Jesus is saying this. It says, in uh, chapter 2, verse 1, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the seven words of him 
or these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name, and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. This is a letter to the church. This is the words of Jesus to the church in Ephesus. And what we find interesting about this is they are doing everything right. They had all the right teachings, right? They, they were enduring tribulation and persecution for the sake of Christ. They, you, would look, you would go to the church in Ephesus and you would think, man, this is a great church. They're doing it all right. But Jesus looked at the heart And he said, I hold this against you. You've lost your first love. And he says, if you don't repent and go back and do the things you did when you first fell in love with me, if you don't repent and go back to doing those things, I will come and remove your lampstand. The lampstand actually harkens back to, I believe it's in Ezekiel. And I didn't write down the passage, so I'm not going to turn there. You can look it up when you go home. But the lampstand represented the, the anointing. It represented the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit in order to accomplish a task. And so what... Jesus is saying when he's saying, if you don't repent and go back to a love relationship with me, that empowering presence on your life will begin to lift. And all of a sudden, you will find yourself striving and not bearing any fruit because you've lost the reason that you're, that you're doing this thing in the first place. I, I have news for you. If you aren't head over heels in love with Jesus then what are you doing evangelism for? Right, right. <laughs> you need the gospel more than they do. <laughs> If love for God isn't burning in your heart, God's not so much, God is more interested in the minister than he is the ministry. God is more interested in in your relationship to him than he is in anything that you could do for him. God's more interested in your heart. But here's what happens. When you give him your heart, his fire falls on it. So you might be thinking, well, you might be in a place where I've been in my life. I desperately want to love God more. And I don't know how. I've been there. I remember when I went to college, I, 
the summer beforehand, I had spent praying in my basement, interceding, God, send revival to Lake Superior State University. God, send revival. Uh, this was, you know, between my senior year of high school and my freshman year of college. The entire summer, I was praying and I was interceding, God, send your fire, send revival to Lake State. And I got there and I got distracted with, with the cares of life, with with social life, with friends, and, and uh, with school. When I got to college, I, was, I, I just got distracted. I'd walked away from my first love. My sophomore year, I remember lying in bed and thinking about how in love with God I used to be and feeling so hopeless and desperate thinking, God, there's no way I could ever get back to that place. I feel like I'm lost to that forever. God, how can I ever get back to the place of being in love with you? What's amazing is our love is responsive in nature. What does scripture say? We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. You can't manufacture in your heart love for God. You cannot make it happen. Love for God in your heart grows as you respond to the love that he has for you. As you be, love for God grows as you behold his love. As you look at his love on the cross as you look at what he's done, as you allow yourself to be loved by God, as you allow the walls in your, in your heart that you resist the love of God and you allow God to just begin to love you, all of a sudden love for him begins to grow in your heart. Our love for God is responsive. So when I was so when I felt like I was so far from God and I felt like getting back to that place of a relationship with God was this impossible ladder that I had to climb up by whatever, doing good stuff and being a really good Christian and reading my Bible. And, and if I only logged in a certain amount of hours in prayer, boom, then I'm, then I'm good with God again. No, I felt so hopeless. I just went to bed and I put on some, uh, some worship music. I was not worshiping. I was not praying. I just put on worship music and I was going to go to bed. And as I was about to fall asleep, I heard in my heart the Lord speak to me. And he said, my son, my son, in whom I'm well pleased. And the moment I heard the voice of the father speak to me that I'm his son and that he's pleased with me, Love for God erupted again in my heart. The fire began to burn all over again. I fell in love with Jesus all over again in an instant. One word from the Father. Why? Because our love for God is responsive. There's one thing that will sustain you in a supernatural lifestyle. You see, Miracles started happening in my life at work. I worked at a grocery store in uh, a little town called Newberry, Michigan in the UP. And in this little town, we had a grocery store that would actually, actually, there were two grocery stores in town. 
And uh, one of them, or both of them, the bag boys would bag your groceries, put them on a cart, and take them out to your car and load them into your car for you. And that was my job. And so I, the whole time I'm there, you know, I'm stacking cans, I'm, you know, I'm stocking shelves, I'm, and I'm bagging groceries, and I'm cleaning stuff. And the whole time I'm there, I'm just in love with Jesus. And I just begin, as the scriptures command us to do, to sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord. I would just begin to meditate on God's love for me and I'd begin to sing how deep the Father's love for me, how vast beyond all measure, that he would give his only son to make this wretch his treasure. And I would begin to meditate on how much God really loves me. And as I began to do this, I, I would just have tears in, in, in my eyes, just weeping and just enjoying my own little time with God. And, you know, I'd be, you know, having this amazing time with Jesus. I'd feel like I was just right in the middle of a worship service, you know, and I'm bagging groceries and I'd be, you paper or plastic, you know? <laughs> and I thought I was just having my own little party, but one of my unsaved coworkers once stopped me and said, John, I don't know what it is about you, but when you're at work, I know it because I can feel it. And when you walk past, there's just this peace that's around you that I can feel. Why? Because as you begin to host the presence of God, as you begin to live in relationship with him, all of a sudden, his presence just begins to flow out from you. What did Jesus say? Whoever's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And as the scriptures have said, out of their belly will flow rivers of living water. So what happens? You drink of the living water, you become a source of the living water. Isn't that interesting? And I began to have a passion for evangelism. And I began to share the gospel with people. And I didn't do it right. <laughs> I started to try to argue people into the kingdom of God. And that didn't work. And then I started to pray for the sick. And I began to pray for people. I began to pray for people and pray for people and pray for people and pray for people. I prayed for well over 100 people um, over the course of several months at my job as I'm carrying out groceries. And I never saw anybody healed. And then I got so frustrated, I told the Lord, you know what, God, if you don't start healing people, I quit. <laughs> and I walked into work one day, and a woman stopped me and said, are you the young man who prayed for me? And I said, yeah. She said, it worked. I don't need my cane anymore. She had, she had vertigo for three years straight, and when I prayed for her in the parking lot of the grocery store, she got healed. And miracles began to, began to grow in my life. And one time I was in, in Walmart and the Holy Spirit begins to speak to me about this woman who's in a wheelchair. And I reluctantly turned to my friends who were with me and said, should we pray for that woman? You know, looking for a cop out, you know. <laughs> and my buddy Noah says, yep, and walks right up to her and says, ma'am, we're Christians, can we pray for you? So 
Um, she tells me that she has this virus that had attacked the nerve in her left leg and left her left leg entirely paralyzed, completely paralyzed. So we pray and I say, is there any change at all? And she says, well, not really. You know, I feel a little tingling, but that's it. And, but thanks for praying for me and God bless you. Have a nice day. And I said, ma'am, could you feel anything in your leg before? No, it, it was completely numb, completely paralyzed. Said so tingling's like something, right? She's like, well, yeah, I guess so. It's that's something. I said, could we pray again? And she said, sure. And we prayed again. And she's like, I can kind of feel my toes. And we prayed again. And after the third time, she starts moving her ankle like this, and her leg starts moving around like this. And I put my hand on her knee. She's like, I can feel your hand on my knee. And the swelling goes down, and she starts bawling her eyes out. And she says. I woke up this morning and asked God if he would heal me. And once you know it, in one of the aisles in Walmart, God answered her prayer. And then other things started to happen. One time I prayed for a woman who had two titanium rods through her back. And she had several pins and screws and her tailbone had been completely removed. And I was praying that the pain would go away. <laughs> And so I prayed, and she actually had a leg that was maybe like two and a half inches to three inches shorter than the other one. And I prayed, and her leg just comes right out. And she stands up, and she bends down and touches her toes. She had two titanium rods through her back. She had zero mobility at all. She, could, she, she told me that if she needed to bend down and pick something up off the ground. She had to sort of do the splits and bend completely at her hips because she literally could not bend her back. And this woman, you could not speak to her for 15 minutes. She's too busy screaming her head off because she's doing this the whole time and twisting her back. And I can't explain what God did except for that he answered my prayer because he knows me and I know him. We love each other. And when I ask him to do a miracle for people, he's more than willing to do them. Jesus loves you. God loves you so much. You are the object of his affection. He longs to pour his love out on you and he wants to live in a relationship with you where you can not just live in a relationship with him, but you can be a source of his blessings to the world around you. He wants to fill you with his spirit and he wants you to be united with him. And just as the scripture says that the two will become one flesh, if you're in Christ, these hands are Christ's hands and these feet are Christ's feet. And I become, and you become, the body of Christ for the world. And you live in fellowship with God, and, and you join him on his mission. If you're in this place, and you feel like you're far from God, and you feel out of place in church because all these people talk about God like they know him, and you don't really know what that's like, I've been there. I was on the worship team since I was 10 years old at my church. And I lived in constant fear that God would never forgive me of my sins. 
I was 13 years old having a panic attack and, and having a total mental breakdown, suicidal, because I was like, I'm going to hell and there's nothing I can do about it. I was convinced that I was going to hell and that God's love was for everybody else, just not for me. I would go to church and I would feel out of place because these people talk about God like they really know him. And I don't know what that's like. I remember one day, I was 15 years old and I walk into camp and I was, this was junior, senior camp at Lost Valley in Gaylord and uh, I walk in, it's the first day of camp, I'm not thinking about actual stuff that was spiritual. The only thing that I'm thinking about is who I'm going to flirt with after this whole church thing's (laughs) over at the snack shack. And so my mind is in no spiritual place at all. But when I walked through those doors, I walked into a wall of God's love. All of a sudden, I just began weeping uncontrollably. And all of the fear, all of the the rejection in my heart that God was never going to forgive my sins, that I was too dirty of a person, I was too messed up, I was too broken, all of it was... All of it was demolished under the weight of the love of God. I began weeping uncontrollably and I could not compose myself. I was so embarrassed because I wanted to look cool for the ladies, you know. And like I, I could not compose myself. I went to the back of the, of the chapel building. I buried my face in the carpet and I wept through the worship, through the sermon. I wept and I wept and I wept because God was so good and I had no idea. I had no idea he loved me that much. It wasn't that somebody told me God loves you. It was that God himself stepped into my mess and said, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And I told God, God, if you're really this good, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. That began the journey for me. And if you're in this place and you feel far from the love of God and, and you want to know him, and you, maybe you don't love God, but you want to, would you put up a hand? Because I want to pray for you. If you're in this place and you want to know God, I see that hand, brother. I see that hand. If you want to know God and you feel far from God, I see that hand. I see that hand. Would you stand with us? All of us, let's stand. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And worship team, you can come to the front. Would you just put a a hand over your own heart? We're going to pray. And would you just repeat after me and say, Father, I know you love me. Please forgive me of my sins. I thank you that you gave me Jesus. That he bore my punishment. I deserved to be on that cross. But he bore it instead. Would you wash me clean? Fill me with your spirit. I want to be a source of your love. 
to the world around me. Change everything. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Now, if you are sick in your body, would you raise a hand? If you need healing, keep, keep it up for a minute, just so that we know. If you need healing, keep your hand up. If there's somebody with a hand near you, you're on the prayer team. I want you to find somebody with their hand up. So those of you who need healing, that need prayer, keep your hand up until somebody has a hand on your shoulder and then you can put your hand down if you need healing in your body. Actually, ma'am, uh, in the right here, what's your name? Shelly? Ma'am, so I'm going to take a risk if that's okay with you guys. And I feel like God's putting something on my heart for you. And if it's okay with you, I'm going to step out and I have no idea if, if what I'm about to say is actually true or not. And so the only way I'll know is if you say yes or no, okay? And don't be nice to me, all right? <laughs> if I get it wrong, say, no, that doesn't make sense. It, you won't hurt my feelings. Um, but I'm going to do this. I normally do this privately, one-on-one. I'm going to do this publicly so that these guys uh, can learn and imitate. And uh, because... God's going to impart something to this body in words of knowledge and in healing. And so what I'm about to do is take a risk in front of all of you with the possibility that I'll fall flat on my face and look foolish. Um, and so you'll have to give me grace if, I'm, if I miss it. But I feel like God wants to, wants to do something. So Shelly, is that okay if you just come right up here? I, I'm putting you on the spot, I know, but I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. So, Shelly, here's what I feel like God's putting on my heart for you. Have you been dealing with an issue through your back that you feel it starts at your right hip and it kind of goes up on, on your right side through your back? Not exactly. Is there an issue through your back, though? Fibromyalgia. So I missed it on that one, guys. Yeah. So you feel pain all over, right? And so you, you're feeling the pain right now? Always. So do you also deal with, separately, do you also deal with um, like migraine headaches, that type of stuff? Okay, issue with your arm, six months. Okay, almost a year. Okay, awesome. Uh, well, not awesome, but awesome because God's going to do something about it. Um, yeah, so... So guys, I'm 0 for 2 right now, <laughs> if you're keeping score at home. Uh, so yeah, um, has there also been an issue in your stomach that, that's been bugging you? Yeah, and, yeah. and, and there's been, but beyond that, even, even with the flu, beyond that, there's actually been kind of this like reoccurring sort of pain that you get in your stomach that you feel sort of right here. Is that right? Not really. Not really? Okay. More lately. Not in a specific place, but it's just all over and you, you, it hurts. Okay. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you. 
after I pray for you, I want to ask what the pain's like with the fibromyalgia, with the stomach, with all the stuff. Now, I don't want you to be nice to me. I want to know if there's a change, okay? Can, it, can you give me your hands? Now, we're going to do this before we start praying for everybody else, just because it's going to increase the faith in the room, okay? Because what God is about to do for Shelly, he wants to do for every other person that needs a miracle in the room. And God's going to show up. It's going to be awesome. So, Father, I thank you for Shelly, and I thank you for your peace. Right now, I rebuke fibromyalgia. Right now, I speak to the spirit of infirmity to go, the spirit of trauma to leave her in Jesus' name. Father, the trauma that she experienced, Father, even when she was a teenager, God, that has just followed her her whole life, I thank you that you're setting her free from that. Father, that fibromyalgia is not going to be part of her life anymore, that this stomach flu is leaving right now in the name of Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Father, even for any issues in the thyroid, God, I just pray that you'd bring healing to that. In Jesus' name. That you'd balance the hormones right now. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Jesus. Be healed. Be healed. Come, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, any inner ear issue too, in Jesus' name, God, I pray that you bring healing to that inner ear. In the name of Jesus, I thank you that you love Shelly so much. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Shelly, is there any change right now? Don't be nice to me. I want to know if there's a change at all in in the pain that you're experiencing. Stomach feels a little bit better. What about the fibromyalgia pain? You don't feel much of a difference? Stomach's a little better. We're going to pray again. Is that cool? All right. We're going to pray for Shelly. Those of you who need healing, uh, put up your hand again and I'll, until somebody has a hand on your shoulder. And we're going to pray together. So you're going to pray for your people. I'm going to pray for Shelly. We could have a couple of folks come and pray with Shelly. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for healing. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father, that you're bringing healing to Shelly, that you love her so much, that anxiety and fear is leaving in Jesus' name, that a spirit of fear is leaving even her house, God, that her house would be a place of peace and safety. God, that she would not feel um, threatened at home, but God, she would be at peace. Right now, I command fibromyalgia pain to go in the name of Jesus. Father, I command right now all stomach pain to go in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 More, Lord. More, Lord. God, we thank you. We thank you. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Be healed in the name of Jesus. change in your pain right now go ahead and and check with the people that you're paying that you're praying for ask if there's a change there's a little bit of change yeah is there any pain at all left yeah 
arms feeling a little bit better? Is there any pain left at all? Like, I, I want to know if there's any... Okay. So you still feel a little bit going on then. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're going to get set free. You're going you're gonna to leave here without that. Okay? Let's pray again. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that today is for Shelly. Be healed. I command the pain to go. I command the pain to go. I speak freedom right now. The spirit of infirmity, I command you to get out in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you that you're bringing felt like God did something for you, there's a change in your pain, will you just wave a hand? I want to see if God's doing stuff around the room here. If God's doing stuff, if you received something, something changed, somebody's waving me over here. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to move into a time of ministry. If you need healing, I want to pray for you. And uh, you can come to the front. I want the prayer team to come to the front as well. But here's what I want. The miracles, the healings, they're signs that point to something greater. They're signs that point to Jesus. God is more interested in having a relationship with you than he is in the miracles. The miracles are a means to the end of showing you how much he really loves you. That's the whole point of all the stuff, is a relationship with God. That's the purpose. And if you leave here healed, but far from God, we've missed the, the whole purpose. The purpose is knowing Jesus. I urge you, in the name of the Lord, surrender yourselves to God again. If your heart is cold, 
lay down on the altar and let the fire of God come and consume you. If you're far from God, just say, God, reveal your love to me all over again. I want to love you. I want to love you more than I do. Would you help me? That's a prayer he'll always answer. I bless you in the name of Jesus. I bless you in the name of Jesus. prayer team will come up. If you need prayer, please come to the front. Um, Ma'am back here with the blue hair there, will you come to to the front too? I want to pray for you too. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. I'm going to pray for you before you go. I I, I won't pray for you in front of everybody, but I feel like I'm stuff your friend okay yeah we'll pray for we'll pray for them yeah please come to the front we'll pray for you we get
guys, God is filling people with his spirit right now. If, you're, if you feel like you need a fresh fire in your heart, if you need something from God, if you feel like you're, you just need a fresh touch from the Lord, I urge you, come to the front. I want to pray for you. God is moving. God is here. Jesus is here. If you want to be a source, if you want to come and drink from the Spirit and become a source of living water to the world around you, I urge you, come to the front. I want to pray for you.
done in the room so it's not too late everything in the service is winding up do I really want to get undone if there's still work if there's still prayer you need come and receive prayer and listen every believer in the house is carrying his kingdom without measure so you can pray with any believer near you but you know when you hit the door there's going to be a lot of things we all have to do and our minds will move to different things so do it now drawing you, while he's calling you, while faith is rising in you, take a minute, let him solidify the work he's doing, let him solidify what he's speaking, he's so good, he's so good, maybe even before you leave, um, maybe some of you are heading upstairs for dinner with John Mark and everyone's welcome to come, maybe some of you are heading out, before you do, would you just, the person next to you, would you just say, hey, do you need prayer for anything? in on the person next to you how are you doing maybe they even got prayer but more stuff's coming up and they're like you know what I I think I do and then just take a minute we want to love each other well in the room if someone's needing prayer just go ahead and start praying those of you that aren't praying for somebody would you pray with me our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever <laughs> amen to respond to John Mark's call just to you are inviting Jesus in and you prayed that prayer about just giving Jesus your life and knowing him like you felt like others know I want to know him that way and you prayed that prayer would you come and talk to Amber she's right up here by the screen would you come and talk to her we want to follow up with you and there's so much goodness in him we want to invite you into um, if you're visiting today I'm going to hang up by the coffee a bit I'd love to meet you if I haven't met you yet and again there's lunch upstairs um, chicken I think and fettuccine um, and we're just going to hear from John Mark and some practical tools of walking and, and faith in that way. And then if you're leaving, would you encourage somebody? Encourage them on your way out. And uh, you get our first chance to hug the new Mr. and Mrs. Eric Boer. You, they're in the house today. So awesome. Take a minute. Take a minute and encourage somebody before you go. Love you.